For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are back after the Titans spent a week in Tampa Bay facing off in joint practices and a preseason game against Tom Brady and the Bucks. We will recap all of the major storylines from that week. We will also Recap the preseason game. We're going to talk about Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and their statuses and, and, and where they are in terms of coming back to full health. We'll also talk about the Titans' backup quarterback battle and update our receiver rankings for the Titans because I, I just went on the Titan Up podcast a, a few minutes ago and they sort of asked me for mine and I was very stumped. So, so I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. I want to start with this, though, sort of the big headline national news to come out of the Titans week with the Bucks was Chris Jackson versus Antonio Brown in a cage match of some kind. It was, uh, it was very stupid. I was close when it happened. Chris Jackson held Antonio Brown on a streak route. Flag was thrown. And then Antonio Brown ripped his helmet off and socked him in the jaw. And I see all these fans, it's like, man, that the it just shows the intensity of the team, all these scrums that broke out that day. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, it's not. It's just stupid. Like, one of the fights was because there was a special teams play, and one of the guys, Fred Brown, wouldn't get off of the Tampa player. Like, this is not grit. Just stop. Stop. Now, now Will, you... you are probably thinking a little bit differently than me about this. You you have played organized football. I have not. Am I crazy to think that this is just silliness, that this is not actually a show of, of grit or intensity? No, I mean, it, 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 takes, it takes no grit or intensity to take off somebody else's helmet and start swinging on them when you lose a rep. Like, that's... That, that's just, that's a very Antonio Brown immature thing to do. So you're not wrong. Like I will say that it's it's always more contentious when you have to deal with somebody like in practice. Like with all these, like I think uh, Saffold and Simmons almost got into it the other day. But when you have to go against the same guy over and over, and they learn all your moves, whether it's the defensive side or the offensive side, then it starts to get really annoying because you know 
it's just when you lose, you're losing the same way just because that guy's move is better and he knows what you're going to do and he's starting to bird dog. Like if you're an offensive lineman, he knows like, okay, when they set up like this, I know what Tannehill's call is here. I'm hearing to make the audible. I know it's going to come here. I'm going to cheat the play. Like that's when it gets aggravating in my experience. Like a guy beating you on a route and then you crying to the officials and begging everybody to say, look, he was holding me. He was holding me like Antonio Brown was doing. And then Tampa Bay beat reporters being like, oh, he's giving the ref an earful because he let like, he'd let him get away with a huge hold. And then everybody losing their mind and being like, oh, that was one too many times for holding for Chris Jackson and Antonio Brown went off. What can you expect him to do? I'm like, you guys are just losers. Like, you know, you're just trying to support your narratives and that's fine. But if, if the dude you're hyping up is struggling to beat Chris Jackson, like, you know, credit Chris Jackson, don't say, oh, well the all pro wide receiver, you know, he has no faults. It's gotta be something else. That's one of the many frustrating things from the coverage over the past week. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to say. I, I think scuffles are normal, but if you're out there actually punching people, uh, you're just a loser. And let's be honest, Antonio Brown's a loser. A- everything that has come out about him over the past like two to three years, uh, all of the off-field stuff, he just comes out looking like a like a total like a loser. It, it's it's just what it is. Uh, and honestly, I, I'm one of the people that roots against him. Uh, because of that and because of his personality, I, I really don't like him. I liked him as a player for sure. Uh, but this was kind of just, you know, along the lines of what he's been doing for the past couple of seasons. Uh, and there's just no need for it. Like, why, why are you punching someone on, on the practice field uh, when both of your teams have set up these practices as like a joint venture uh, and you just get so frustrated uh, against a second-year seventh round rookie that you have to pull off his helmet and start punching him because you're so frustrated uh by how he, by how he's playing against you it's just it's just so unnecessary now before we go any further guys uh matthias you have something to tell us about our friends at manscaped correct i certainly do and this will definitely not be a read that is pre-written and that is going to sound completely commercial Just kidding. Yes, it will be. Here we go. Our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce accidents. Cutting edge. I see what you did there. You like that one, huh? That was definitely, they sent that to us. Anyway, thanks to their advanced <laughs> skin safe technology, the Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. That's a lot of RPMs. A new multifunction on off switch that can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. So you could use this in the pool, in the shower, wherever you need. Where, where there's water. You and, mean and to you tell should- me I can shave in the pool? Because I have always wanted to do that. Yes, actually, very common in uh, European countries. So you can adopt that into uh, the Western Hemisphere uh, culture. So I, I personally, I would suggest going with the Performance Package 4.0. It kind of has everything. Uh, it includes the Weed Whacker, <laughs> oh my God, which is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate 
areas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20, all caps. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Don't miss out. So, what stood out to you guys about the practices? I mean, I was there. I've talked about it a ton already. What what stood out to you all? Like, what were some of the things you, you saw reported and on Twitter and you were like, hey, there's something to that? Well, if we're judging by what happened in the preseason game as well, I think there were a lot of good reports about Elijah Molden in practice. Uh, and even the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast team had mentioned uh, that Molden was one of the better players during the practices. And he definitely showed that. Uh, in the preseason game. And I, I think a lot of Titans players kind of translated uh, a lot of the practice success onto the field in the in the preseason game, which uh, which is great to see because because that's what you want. You want it. You want your practice performances to lead into the game performances. And, and I think a lot of that happened. I, Caleb Farley had, had a couple of uh, highs and lows, I think, in the practices. Uh, and he pretty much did have a couple of highs and lows in the game. So the fact that the performances are kind of translating from practice to the games, uh, I think are, are, are a good sign. Yeah. Farley was going to be mine just because, you know, I, I don't, I don't need him to win every rep. Like we, we've kind of talked about his health being the main storyline of training camp, at least for me. So, like I, I was happy to see him out there getting real reps against real receivers, not you know, no offense to the depth on the Titans roster, but going against Mike Evans, you know, in real in one on one drills and in team drills is much a much different challenge than going against somebody like Mason Kinsey. So, you know, like it was good to see him healthy. It was good to see him out there working. And the problem I have with it is that what seemed to be getting reported on was this is what the one-on-ones and the wide receivers and cornerback drills are doing, which doesn't tell you anything, in, in my opinion. I, th- I think it's a very, very overrated. Um, and then it was team drills, and it was absolutely mute from Tampa Bay's side every time Tennessee did something good. And then absolutely – well, no, I'll say it wasn't absolutely mute from the Titans' side when Tampa Bay did something, but it was more, it, it was more of – it was harder to find the good because it would get tweeted by one side. And then anytime Tom Brady threw a 12 yard pass that it would be 45 beat reporters for Tampa Bay popping out of nowhere and tweeting for the first time. And nobody covered the offensive and defensive line drills. They talked some about the run periods and how they went, but it 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 felt very much like everybody just wanted to write about Tom Brady. And I mean, I, I get it, but that was, incredibly annoying so the one thing to take away from that is that caleb farley was out there and he did some good things and some not so good things from my perspective like i was just really interested to see the titans defense go against tom brady because the defense had looked so strong throughout camp and and we're sitting here saying you know is this a sign that the defense has turned a corner and then on on wednesday when we saw the titans defense pick brady three times and and sort of get in his head and confuse him, I, I think that solidified a lot of, of that. And I'll say this about the Titans' defense, you know, I don't think you take away from training camp, because training camp is now officially over. 
I don't think you take away from training camp, man, this Titans defense, they're going to be good this year, man. Maybe they will, I don't know. But what you take away from it is they're not confused anymore. They are no longer going to be running around, you know, to use a, a Southern phrase, like a chicken with its head cut off, you know, wondering what they're supposed to be doing, confused, not understanding their roles in the defense, no conceptual understanding, right? That's all gone. The promotion of Shane Bowen, the bringing in of Jim Schwartz, the stepping down of Mike Vrabel, all of that has led to cohesiveness. And so if the defense stinks this year, that won't be the reason why. And since that won't be the reason why, I think it's fair to get a little bit excited because this is a unit that is far more talented than last year and at some positions has a lot to work with. I, I think the the edge rushers are, are plentiful with Dupree, Weaver, Landry, and John Simon. Lots of good corners, uh, two really good safeties. Like, I think it's worth getting excited about this Titans defense. Not that they're going to be world beaters, but that they're going to be significantly improved from last year. Yeah, and I mean, if Tom Brady is complimenting your defense, you're probably doing something right. Like, I know he might have been not totally truthful. He has said in the past that he's not totally truthful to the media, but he really had no reason uh, to lie or or even, you know, praise them. Uh, in the post-practice uh, media sessions. So if Tom Brady is saying good things about the defense and they're clearly doing something right, and it, that's been the theme th- throughout training camp and it's been the theme throughout these first two preseason games, they definitely look well-drilled. They're not making a lot of mistakes. The communication seems to be there. Uh, and it's kind of just all coming together cohesively. Of course, we can't just expect this to translate to, to regular season uh, dominance. But, I mean, there's still people out there who think that the Titans defense is going to be just as bad or even worse than last year. And I think that's crazy because all the signs are pointing to them being at least not awful. And that's exactly what the team needs because that's what they needed last year because the offense was so good uh, and it could carry the team. It carried the, the team to the playoffs. And if the defense was just serviceable or even worse than serviceable uh they probably would have gotten a lot farther in the playoffs and it seems like this season at the very least the players are going to be on the same page they might not be an elite defense but they're definitely going to take a step forward and they seem like the players are going to be uh in communication they're going to know where to be and they're going to know what to do uh but of course we have to see it in action in the regular season but it's all heading in the right direction yeah, and Tom Brady should be complimentary of the Titans' defense. Uh, I mean, the last two times he played him, he scored 10 points and 13 points. So, I mean, he's been getting dusted by the Titans' defense for the last three years now. So, I mean, he he should respect them. It's it's not like it should be anything new for him. But it it, it is positive to see the defense doing – you know, much better, and it's not either Kevin Byard's going to have an interception or nothing's going to happen. It's sometimes Fulton has a good day, which is awesome. Sometimes uh, Caleb Farley makes a good play. Elijah Molden shows up. Amani Hooker is the star of camp, and, I mean, he looked like that guy last year in the regular season. You know, Jayon Brown and David Long look good. You've got, I mean, we haven't even really seen Bud Dupree at all, and then, 
you also should have Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, and Harold Landry, like who once they play together and once the defense gets an idea of how to use them in the best way, like that should be dangerous. So, like you said, I mean, I'm not expecting this team to come in and set records on defense, but I mean, would it surprise either one of y'all if they doubled their sack total from last year? Oh no, no. Yeah, so I mean, like if they if they can do that, I mean. First of all, just the perception of pressure changes everything. It's sort of like when an offense can pass the ball deep. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're getting home, the threat that you have gotten home in the past and that you know, offenses can't just sit back and decide to throw the short easy completion or, or sit back all day in the pocket. Like that the idea of pressure is almost as scary as pressure itself. So if they can do that, everything else will fall into place because the pass rush will improve the coverage. The coverage players look better. It'll take pressure off of uh, the off-ball linebackers, and it should get Rashawn Evans off the field and David Long on the field. Like If they can just get good pass rush, everything will be easier. Something else that, that really came out of the preseason game in particular – was that this Titans backup quarterback battle is actually that. Because I think a lot of us before Saturday thought that, you know, they might have called it a competition, but but it was always going to be Logan Woodside. Well, on Saturday, they rotated the quarterbacks, which is a very weird thing. I don't know that I've ever seen that before because I remember when Barkley came in on drive three, I said, uh, is this Barkley the rest of the way? And Kaharski said, what, are they going to bring Woodside back in? And lo and behold, that's what they did, which, like I said, is a rarity. And I think that that shows that this is more of a competition than we thought it was, right? I don't even think it's a competition. I think Barkley's already won it, but... I guess, theoretically, yes, it absolutely is a competition. And I think we thought it was when they signed Barkley. Like, I, I, none of us like Woodside. None of us think he's that great of a— Actually, we've talked about in the past that we don't think he should be the backup quarterback. And we've talked about the need to upgrade that position uh, for the past, like, two off-seasons. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure Woodside's good, and it— like being in the locker room and being in the quarterback room. And there's, there's some importance to that, but you know, like I, I don't know anybody who's watching this and not seeing that Barkley's better. Like they split the game up in Atlanta and Barkley was better when he was in Luke. You said that at the time and people pushed back then to prove that Barkley was better. They started splitting up reps, you know, two series for Woodside, two series for Barkley, two series for what, you know, and he did much better than Woodside there too. So, I mean, and he's making more difficult throws like the touchdown pass where he was falling away and he was on the move, rolling out to his right. Like that's a hard pass to make like the touchdown to Mason Kinsey. That's a hard, I mean, those are hard passes that, you know, the second one looked more impressive, but the first one's harder to do with touch and put it in the right place. And, you know, we've seen Blaine Gabbert, who gets all the praise in the world from Tampa Bay. I mean, we've seen Blaine Gabbert do that, roll out that same exact way and then just throw an interception with the game on the line to the Colts to send the Titans home in week 17. Like, I mean, that's that's the difference. So, 
yeah, like to to me, Barkley is clearly the the guy who should be the backup quarterback. If not, I, if not the backup quarterback, they should try to do that thing that they did with uh, Simeon and uh, uh, Kaiser last year, where they cut him and they put him on practice squad and they just protect him every week, like that kind of like you know break glass in case of emergency quarterback because. At, at at the very least, he should be considered the co-quarterback number two. You know, I've been thinking about whether they would keep three quarterbacks. I think it's a possibility. No. I don't. don't I don't think, think so? they have. I, I just with the wide no. receivers the way they are, I think it's oh, true, so true, difficult. True, true. Like, uh, I mean, well, I, I think I think there's no three there's no precedent for it. John Robinson no, no. has always done a uh, a two quarterback team. Well, but he's Bar- never had Matt Barkley. <laughs> well, <laughs> Barkley's not like backup. great. I, he, my thing is, look, everyone says. So what I don't care at all about is understanding of the offense. It's it's meaningless. Barkley will understand the offense every bit as good as Woodside does, given a little bit of time. It doesn't matter that much. What I do take stock in, though, is this argument that Logan Woodside is mistake free. You know, he's not going to do something dumb. He's not going to lose you the game. I get that. But Logan Woodside is so deathly afraid of a turnover that he refuses to get rid of the football and just stands back there in the pocket to the point where I don't think you're ever going to score a point with him. And Barkley, he's going to throw a pick. But you're going to score a couple touchdowns with him in there, you know? I... I Logan Woodside does not throw the ball past five yards. And I don't know if it's him or if it's like Todd Downing not trusting him. I don't know what the deal is, but for the first two games of the preseason, Barkley has very clearly been more willing to throw the ball down the field. And if you're not throwing the ball down the field in today's NFL, like I don't, you cannot move, you cannot move an offense. You cannot move the chains and I just you said it, you said it, I think, a couple of weeks ago that if Logan Woodside would would have to start a game for Tannehill, it would be like the Matt Castle offense all over again. That's exactly what it would be like. He wouldn't throw any turnovers, probably, but we wouldn't get any first downs. They would all be through the ground through Derrick Henry, and we just wouldn't be able to do anything through the air because Logan Woodside just isn't that talented. And he's also not willing to push the ball, even though we have, you know, very talented receivers. I'll say this too. All this does is make me appreciate how much Ryan Tannehill can do. And it's not a great leap to say Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than the backup quarterbacks, but you know, throws where it's just not they're accurate enough but you can see the wide receivers having to turn backwards and reach behind them and try to make acrobatic catches where we've seen Tannehill on the run make so so many crisp accurate passes where I'm like oh that would have been 15 more yards if he'd have thrown it to Chester Rogers there and you can just see those and you know the offense doesn't look terribly different than last year which is a good sign but the plays are there where even when there's separation, I don't have high hopes for a big explosive play because Tannehill's not in there to put the ball where it needs to be. So, oh man, I I just think it has to be Barkley. And I was called crazy for saying that last week. 
And now I think there are more people who looked at that game and said, yeah, because Logan Woodside just, he holds the ball. And and I don't hate Logan Woodside, but I don't think you can win with Logan Woodside. I think you can win a game with Matt Barkley. What, why does Woodside have so many fans is, is my question. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Because after that first preseason game, all these people came at me and were like, did you not see what Woodside did out there? I'm like, what? He threw a nice throw to pass to Batson for a touchdown, and everything else was five yards. Yeah, it's Stockholm Syndrome. Like, they, they've yeah. had to convince themselves <laughs> that Woodside's okay for so long that they're like, he's actually not that bad. Like, that was a pretty good throw. Like, and they can't see what's right there in front of them. So, I mean, it's tough. Like, I, we've all had that attachment to people, and, you know, it's easier for quarterbacks because you can say a million different excuses for them. But I, just based off of what we've seen the last two weeks, like, I, I'm interested to see who plays this weekend just for my own personal reasons. But I do think if Barkley clearly outplays Woodside again, I think it's going to be really hard for the coach, especially with how late he came in. I think it's going to be really hard for the coaching staff to cut Barkley because they know he'll get picked up. If you cut Woodside, are you sure he's going to get picked up? Like, can you not sneak that guy onto your practice squad? Like, I, I have to think you can. Who's picking up Woodside? He was Arthur in the Smith. AAF like two years ago. Arthur yeah, Smith will that- because he just lost A.J. McCarron. Felipe Franks is much better than Logan. Uh, I don't know about that. Franks can throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. Yeah, but... He's hard to look at. And he's mobile. Well, they did sign Josh Rosen today. Yeah, so checkmate. (laughs) Josh Rosen is worse than all of them. Josh Rosen stinks, man. Everyone's like, man, Josh Rosen's cut su- got such a bad break in his career. I'm like, if he was really good, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, he's been on eight different teams. Like, it's hard to say you got a tough break when you get eight chances and you just aren't good anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Let's talk about wide receivers, guys. Uh, do you want to start at the top or do you want to start at you know, who's making the roster? Because we can talk about all of them. There, there are yeah. topics about all of them. Yeah, let's talk about all of them. Let's just run it through. Okay, yeah. let's, let's start at the top. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown have yet to play in a preseason game and until Tuesday had not practiced in quite some time. Mike Vrabel asked about both, said they're unavailable. Very insightful <laughs> quote from the great Mike Vrabel. Get well soon, Mike, who has COVID right now. Um. They, they both returned to practice on Tuesday in, in some capacity. A.J. Brown did individual stuff. Julio Jones did not even make it that far. He did third field work, which means you're injured. Is this a big deal, or is this something to not worry about? Like, I had someone be like, is A.J. Brown going to be able to, is going to have to retire when he's 28 because of his knees? I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know. What do we think, guys? I mean, I'm a little worried. I, I don't want to just brush it off as nothing because, I mean, Julio hasn't had him practice in, what, like two weeks or something like that. Uh, and then there have been reports about A.J. Brown's knee injury possibly lingering into the season uh, again because he's had issues with both knees, I think, uh, through his young NFL career. So, 
I mean, it's a little concerning, but we've seen A.J. Brown be incredibly productive in the past, even fighting through these knee issues. So I don't think it's it's something to, to freak out over. Uh, and Julio is always, you know, he's a veteran. Like, he, even last year, he was barely practicing. And, and then he shows up uh, on game day, and he's just Julio Jones. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how he operates, and that's how he is. So I don't want to put too much stock into him not practicing for, for a while. Uh, but if he's not practicing in the week leading up to, you know, week one, then yes, but I will start to get uh, quite worried. Yeah, like I'm 0% worried, but that that's because I'm using the Mike Vrabel's track record on this. Like I think he understands and appreciates, you know, his superstar players needing rest now and then understanding that they're going to have to go hard and produce in the regular season. Like – uh, he did it with Delaney Walker. Like he did it with Roger Saffold a lot last year. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know what? What's what's the pros of Julio Jones and even AJ Brown practicing in training camp? Like you develop chemistry. Like AJ Brown has chemistry with Tannehill. Like they practiced a lot early. They had chemistry, and then you know they'd stop practicing. And when AJ Brown goes out there. He's not wearing things on his knees. He's, you know, they, they don't have him in knee braces. They're, you know, they're not bubble wrapping him or anything like that. Like he's doing stuff. He just, you know, pulls up early like Derrick Henry does. So uh, for me, that's not concerning. If you shouldn't need chemistry with Julio Jones, like he's massive, he's one of the best route runners, especially for his size in NFL history. He's been consistently productive on a per target and per game basis. Like, if you're if your number two is Julio and you can't get chemistry with him and you can't find ways to put him in advantageous situations without a month of practice in July and August, I don't know what to tell you. Like that that's that's a problem that you have. So, you know, like it, I'm not concerned because they haven't missed any time. The Adam Schefter tweet was really weird. Uh, the whole like AJ Brown is expected to go for week one. Like yeah. I mean, of course he is. Like I, I, that, that never yeah, should that have was, been. There was in never in doubt from really anyone that he was going to be yeah. ready to go. It seemed, it seemed, and I said this, uh, but it seemed like because Mike Vrabel was out, somebody tipped off Adam Schefter and was like, hey, I just want you to know this. Like, it, it felt like Monday was a day where, you know, the boss was out of the office so everybody could be a little looser and do things that they wanted to do. And that's why you get a stupid report. And that's why A.J. Brown comes out to practice for five minutes and runs through drills to show you he's fine and then doesn't do team drills because you don't want somebody falling on his legs and you don't want him to step a little bit weird and get a Liz Frank injury and be out for the season for no reason. So, no, I mean, I, I personally don't understand why anybody's worried. This feels like one of those stories where as soon as week one happens, it's like, I can't believe we were worried if these guys would play. As we look at the rest of the group of receivers, who's in, who's out? Uh, I have no idea. Cheshire Rogers is in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I think he is the third I think he's the third safest wide receiver. Yeah, like legit. Yeah. Um I think Reynolds maybe. I think he's in. I think Reynolds yeah. will, will make the team. Um then I don't know. I have no idea. I couldn't like tell you for sure 
one of these other ones is a lock to make the team. Yeah, I think that Nick Westbrook. Yeah, that's the guy. Well, I was well, going to say, I think he's either going to be like a guy who makes the roster because of all the little things he can do and because he's one of those guys that the staff loves, or he or Cam Batson is going to get traded to Atlanta. Like, because, I mean, I, I just don't see them willing to cut those guys they're familiar with just outright. Like, it feels like they want something in return for him because they just have a personal connection to him. What do you think, Luke? It, so, Rodgers is in, and I think Marcus Johnson is probably in. The weird thing to me is Nick Westbrook-Akina because he's been invisible during training camp and the preseason for the most part. But as, as Austin Stanley pointed out to me the other day when we were doing the morning show, they're not even playing him in the preseason. He's starting and then going away. What does that usually mean? I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, it mean, means you're, it means you're locked in. It's like the Bears with Andy Dalton on Saturday. They're not starting him because he's so firmly entrenched as the starter in Matt Nagy's mind, and, and you can have your own conversation about that, but it's that same thing. And I wonder, is he so entrenched on the roster that they're like, eh, why send him out there? I don't know. Racy's not going out there either. An an old school way uh, that I remember Jeff Fisher and other guys would do is if they knew that they had a guy who wasn't going to be able to do enough to make the roster, but they wanted him to get on the practice squad, they wouldn't they wouldn't put him out there at all in the preseason. They'd cut him and then try to get him back on the practice squad and keep him for a year. That's that's a very old school approach to you know, roster building that I could see Robinson and variable being very into, because like you said, like racy McMath got, you know, offensive reps, the first game and then none, the second game and none, the second game with Marcus Johnson, not playing. So it's not, it's not like there were more mouths to feed. Like he, he should have had plenty of time. They were, it's not like they were against throwing the ball. Like, he should have been out there on offense if there was a reason for him to be out there on offense. So either they're just looking at McMath as a gunner and then looking at everybody else at wide receiver, or they're thinking about maybe cutting him and then doing the same thing with either him or Nick Westbrook Aquina. But it, it's, it's very weird. So is Racy in? I think they're going to try to stash him on the practice squad. I don't I think I mean I think they're I they think they're going to I, I think they're going to I'll say if they don't do the fun like oh Des Fitzpatrick has an injury we're going to have to put him on injured reserve and start again next year they don't do that fun like creative move I think that two of Nick Westbrook Aquina Cam Batson and Racy Math I think two of those guys are cut or traded and and i i don't know which because we see you know you see late round swaps all the time like the titans gave up a seventh for david king from kansas city forever ago like i mean you get guys who you don't even think about until they're traded and you're like oh i can't believe somebody gave up a pick for them you know that that happens all the time seemingly so i i'm not sure it's it's a really weird group because they all sort of overlap except for Des Fitzpatrick but 
I don't see them cutting a fourth round pick. That's why I think the injury thing is the funniest slash smartest slash most underhanded way to do this whole thing. All right, let, let's get rid of two of them. I think Fred Brown is not making the team, and Kinsey is going on practice squad, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so then we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. No, is Batson in there? Right? Oh, ba- yeah, Batson. Batson's in there. This is with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Oh, okay, got you. So yeah, after the top four, Reynolds, Rogers, Jones. Brown, you have number one, Racy McMath, and number two, Nick Westbrook Aquina, number three, Marcus Johnson, number four, Cameron Batson, number five, Racy McMath. So that's nine. Two get cut. I don't know. Everyone says Marcus Johnson is, is safe to make the team, but I like I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I mean, know. I mean, I will say as someone who was at practice or at training camp, he dominated training camp. Every day he showed up, but he hadn't done anything in the preseason. Granted, he didn't play in the uh, in the first uh, – well, I don't think he played this week. Did he play in the first preseason game? Because he certainly did not play in Tampa. I don't think he has a catch. He played in the first preseason yeah. game, to my knowledge. That's but what I not. thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I believe Nick Westbrook-Akina played in this past game, but I cannot remember. He did. He yeah, did, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. So he is getting playing time. Yeah, I don't know. So if we have to cut it, look, if it's me personally, based on what I think is the best, the best thing for the Titans this year and next year, if I'm looking at it like that, I'm cutting Nick Westbrook-Akina and I'm cutting Cam Batson. And Cam Batson is weird because I don't think he's actually going to get cut because I think he's a fun gadget guy that they like. But, I mean, I don't know if it's worth it to keep a guy on the roster for three plays. Maybe not even that. Uh, I mean, he's not going to break one for 60 yards. I mean, I think with a trick play, the most you're going to get out of Cam Batson is 15 yards. And he can't be a kick returner or a punt returner. He all, They always try him. He always drops the ball. He did it in the first preseason game. Like, it, he cannot be back there. And I think having him on the roster is a liability because the coaches don't know how to quit him. But I think, I mean, I think he'll end up, I think he's got a better shot to make it than Racy McMath, even though that's not the move I would make. I can see Bassing getting traded to the Falcons. I like that. Uh, I like that idea that you had. I feel like Arthur Smith likes no him. No one is trading for Cam Batson other than Mike Vrabel. People will trade for anyone. You never know what can happen. Yeah, like we've seen, <laughs> we've seen the Texans trade 14 different picks for corners and then trade other corners away. Like people people do crazy stuff. Like don't don't underestimate how wild the the uh, cut deadline is going to get in a week. So let's let's say hypothetically they stash Fitzpatrick on IR somehow illegally and then racy mcmath gets on the practice squad then you only have to cut one receiver right to keep six yeah you end up you end up trying to decide between no to keep seven right it'd be aj julio josh reynolds uh i guess if both the rookies are out all that's left is westbrook akina cam badson johnson and rogers so that's seven so i think you cut 
Westbrook Aquina, and then you're at six. Okay. And your roster ends up being AJ, Julio, Josh Reynolds, uh, Cam Batson. Then who are the other two? Oh, uh, Rogers and uh, Johnson. I feel like there's no need to keep seven. I, I really don't. There's just too many. But, you know, you say that, and then you look at what a roster would look like with seven, like what I did last week in my projection, and there's not really anything that's missing out. Mm, how many tight ends and how many running backs? Four tight ends, three running backs, plus uh, blossom game. It's going to be four running backs because Makai Sargent is a stud. He's making the yeah. team. Yeah, if you include fullbacks, I think... I think it's going to be hard to get away from Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans, and Makai Sargent and Kyrie Blyson game. It's tough. Brian Hill's got to go. Uh, yeah, Hill's like, gone. Brian Hill looks bad. He looks yeah. bad. Yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't spend too much time on what they're going to do at running back because then we'll go down a rabbit hole and we'll end yeah. up at quarterback and tight end and all that. <laughs> but like it, it, this this game feels like it's going to be Sargent – uh, versus the ghost of McNichols. Like McNichols has COVID. If he can't come back or he's, you know, he's in the protocol. So whatever. But if he can't play this week and Sargent looks good again, I, I could see them moving on from uh, McNichols and just being, and just replacing them with Sergeant, the like, thing I keep hearing it, it, in the media about McNick or from other we're the media from other media members is pass protection is they trust him as a pass protection and they should. He did a good job with it last year when Darrington Evans went down and he sort of stepped right into that role. But like I, I, he <laughs> he's probably the best pass protecting running back on the team. If that's anything, I, I don't know. Because Sargent does look good. But uh, Sargent is more of a, if Derrick Henry goes down, he can carry the ball 15, 20 times. McNichols is not that. So maybe you keep both of them. But Darren, you can't cut Darrington Evans. So if Darrington... This would all be solved Darrington if Darrington Evans, Evans or Makai Sargent can pass block. Darrington Evans makes Cam Batson obsolete, by the way. That's, that's how you get away from Cam Batson, is you just use Darrington Evans in that role. But he has like to jet prove sweep, that he has two hamstrings. Cross pattern kind of guy. Yeah, the guy that if you're going to go wildcat, he's the guy that is going to be the distraction and maybe get it once or twice, and that's enough for everybody to freak out and pay attention to him. And I mean, look, we saw him for what ten healthy plays. Like, hope you know, you hope that the guy can stay healthy. But when I mean, his first play was like a thirty-five yard run. Like, I mean, he looked like a lightning bolt, and then. He ran jet sweep or he ran outside zone to the left and pulled his hamstring and walked out and hadn't been seen since. So, you know, it, it this would have been a really nice preseason for him to get going and stay healthy because it would have made a lot of things easier. But I think just that ability is enough for me to try to move on from Cam Batson. They're going to have a tough choice to make either way. And Teresa Walker made a good point on Twitter during the preseason game between the Titans and the Bucks that we're used to the Titans on cut day. Like, we are used to sitting around on cut day and being like, who's available? Who's getting cut that the Titans can go get? And now it's the other way around. It's like, the Titans are going to have to 
got some good players. I wonder where they'll go. You know? Yeah, these are like legitimately tough decisions, and we haven't had those as uh, as Titans fans uh, in the past. But these are tough, man. Like I, I don't even know what I would do in this situation if I was Mike Rabel and John Robinson. Like these are definitely hard decisions that they're going to have to make, and they're going to get rid of some pretty good players that are going to get scooped up almost immediately by by other teams. It, it will be interesting because Vrabel and Robinson have always had two or three guys on a roster who you're just like, what are they doing? And, you know, sometimes it's like you get a tear tart out of it. <laughs> you you think Sheree there won't Finch. be one of those this year. <laughs> yeah, there no, will. Yeah, there, yeah, there'll be three. Like, there always is. I mean, it'll be like Dane Crookshanks put on injured reserve, and instead they're keeping, you know, the – the uh, whatever the guy they keep putting at left tackle is, uh, it, it doesn't Delaro or whatever. It doesn't doesn't really matter. I think he's number sixty nine. But it's like a guy who you're like, oh yeah, I guess that guy did get like eighty snaps in the preseason and he was fine. Like, but you never think about them keeping him. Yeah, I I who well, let's ask that question. Who's going to be the weird one this year? Last year, I think it was Daniel Munyer, who stinks, by the way. But this year, who's it going to be? The like surprise keep. Not the player who stinks who's on the roster. Not like the next Matt Dickerson. But like, who's going to be, we look at the roster when it comes out on a week from today, and we go, they, they kept him, huh? Hmm. Because that That's happens every year with Robinson. Yeah. Um... I'm not totally sure, to be honest. Maybe that's that number 45 guy with the hyphenated name that no one actually knows who he yeah. is, but he's out there for like 50 snaps a game. So let me ask this, uh, Luke. The Adenia, I, I 92. I, I I don't ever know. Oh, I. Yeah, he looks like he's he good. looks electric. Like yeah. I had him on my 53. People forget that yeah, they like, signed him in like wave two or three of free agency. Good special teams yeah. player in Pittsburgh. Uh, he has some pass rush ability. I think it's him over Derek Roberson right now as far as that's, that's edge slash say. outside linebacker. Yeah. I, Is that I what you're going to ask right. him or Roberson? Well, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, do you think they keep him over Roberson? Because if, if you do, then I'm not going to make that the surprise pick. The surprise pick for me would be Chris Jones, the corner. Because... He has been uh, now again. We didn't think Munyer was going to make it. This is not yeah, a. This is the. This isn't you agrees. think he'll make it. This is the. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I think that he's he's flashed in the second half of preseason games. I think that he looks good enough to be like okay. Maybe we'll try him at safety some because we're terrible at safety now, and we like in terms of depth and like just all those injuries and stuff. But like I, I keep seeing his name because I'm like, oh, I wish Naquan Jones would make a play, and then I see Chris Jones, and I'm like, you are not Naquan Jones. <laughs> like you're clo- like same last name, wrong position, and I keep I, for whatever reason it keeps sticking out in my head that he makes good plays. I think I said this on here before. I've definitely said it on the air somewhere. 
I would not know who Naquan Jones was if his name did not sound like Daquan Jones. He has not done anything. People just freaked yeah. out because his name sounded similar and started rushing to these conclusions of, well, he will fill the gap. But that 50 line, it's, it's not going to be him. I thought it was going to be Trayvon Coley before he went down with a season-ending injury. Now I'm thinking maybe Kyle Pecco. Yeah, uh, Mike Keith was like, Anthony Rush looks great, and like well, he's he, on IR he's now. Like, so yeah, well, he's on he's on COVID. Uh, oh, COVID. So, well, yeah, I thought he so got he's, cut. No, he's he got put on the COVID list, and so because like I said, Mike Keith was like, I'll tell you what, I want to watch Anthony Rush in this game, number ninety five. He's three hundred and sixty pounds, or like he did his whole thing where he was like, and he's from this place, and he did this in college, like. He did his whole spiel on him, but when Mike, I mean, Mike Keith was the first person to talk about Tier Tart last year. So, I mean, like, when Mike Keith says something, your ears should perk up a little bit if he's talking about he might be better than another Titans player, because that is where it gets interesting. But then he, you know, he played like 40 snaps or something uh, against the Bucks, and he looked fine. I mean, they used him a lot, so that's cool. Like, maybe they're trying to get a look at him, but then he got COVID, so... Now I've got no idea how to how to work him in there. Yeah, I could see Pecco making the team, even though I haven't really seen him do much of anything. Um, I I agree with the Trayvon Coley thing. He looked really good against the Falcons in the first preseason game before he got injured. I, I was like feeling pretty nice about the D line depth with him as one of the backups, but um, unfortunately he got injured, and now. Uh, someone's probably going to take his place and be that fifth lineman. All right. I think it's about time for Stop the Nonsense. Although, you know, before we get into actual Stop the Nonsense, we we could talk about a, a general nonsense that has occurred in the NFL this week. And that is Matt Nagy and his ringing endorsement of quarterback Andy Dalton. Why is this still happening in 2021? Not Andy Dalton in particular, but this stupid idea that when you draft a rookie quarterback, it in some way behooves them to sit on the bench and learn. Now, everyone's going to say, but Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes. That was an exception because Alex Smith was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Like, then. Alex Smith had a great season during Mahomes' rookie year. And everyone kind of knew he would. Alex Smith just had a ceiling. Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith with the Chiefs. This is also a bad team. The Chiefs were a really, really good team. The Chiefs were a, a, a surefire playoff team. The Bears aren't. Put Justin Fields out there, man. Like I'm thrilled that I get to watch him on Saturday, that he's going to play the entire first half against the Titans, presumably. But the fact that he's playing the entire first half because Andy Dalton is sitting out so that he can... Be ready to go for a week for a week one start three weeks from now. Uh, I don't like it. No, it's it's happening with almost every rookie quarterback except for Zach Wilson. Like Trevor Lawrence is technically in a quarterback competition with Gardner Minshew, uh, and Trey Lance is in one with Jimmy Garoppolo. Who I I mean I, I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo, but at least he's better than you know Gardner Minshew and. Um, um, oh my God, who'd you just mention? Andy Dalton, sorry. 
I completely blanked. That's how that's how important he is uh, in 2021. <laughs> but um, it's just I don't understand, man. Just commit, like do what the Jets have done. They drafted Zach Wilson second overall. They're like, you're our future, but you're also our president. Present, you're going to start <laughs> right away, and we're just going to let you grow with the offense, with the new coaching staff, and you're just going to learn on the go. That's how it should be. Like you're not going to fry these guys. Their, their careers aren't, aren't going to, you know, be worse because they're starting week one, and maybe it doesn't go as planned. I mean, like. I I get the the reason for the argument because you know fans want to see Justin Fields, but this is a six win team with Andy Dalton or a seven win team with Justin Fields. Like that, I I don't I don't understand how your argument as a head coach should be. We think Andy gives us a better chance to win. Like what you should say is we're trying to protect our young quarterback behind an offensive line that's not developed yet that is still trying to find their chemistry and once we feel comfortable putting them out there we will because that's who it's on it's on their terrible offensive line like they're getting guys killed i mean they got fields rocked on uh last saturday or sunday which whichever game they played like he got his helmet blown off like i mean just destroyed because the guy was left completely unblocked like you you want you don't want that to be a starter that does that because they'll just kill him so like don't say we think Andy Dalton gives us a better chance to win. Just say we're not ready to, you know, put our guy at jeopardy. We're put our guy in jeopardy because undoubtedly his legs make you a, a more threatening offense. So you can't you can't just say that. It's so, that's such a weird way to frame the argument. I I just don't think it helps the 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 sitting and learning. Well, the, I think the problem is there's been like three good quarterbacks that have gotten developed in the last five years, so we don't really know what works. I mean, Lamar Jackson was benched behind Joe Flacco forever, and he, you know, he worked once they figured out how to build an offense around him. Then, it, you know, the rest of them are like Josh Rosen, fifth team, uh, Josh Allen terrible his second year okay his first year has a good above average year last year but it's also you know three years of improving numbers how good is he going to get but then you've got uh, you know what is it uh, you have baker who's been up and down and who's finally had his first good year after so so long then you have the carson wences and jared Goffs, and it's like you've got so many guys who are just on their second team by now, or they're in a, you know, a contract year at the quarterback position that I don't think anybody uh, knows the right way. I think it matters so much more if you have the right coach in place than if you start a guy in year one compared to starting him in year two. Uh, I'll go ahead with my stop the nonsense next. So I, this is a Titans podcast. I think I, put out dislike for the Colts, Jaguars, and Texans equally. But this has been an offseason where we really haven't talked about the Texans enough because they've got their legal issues they're worried about and all that stuff. And they're just a bad team. It's not, you know, there's no fun kicking a team when they're gonna win maybe one game next year. So I haven't included them in a lot of these. But in their last preseason game against the Cowboys, Spencer Tillman, who's a local radio host and I guess is doing the play-by-play on uh, the preseason games, he said, quote, 
on Nick Casario's offseason with the Texans. Quote, I don't think I've ever seen a better job by a GM in the last decade or more. So I heard about that. What what a what a wild sentence to say out loud when you're on television and people can hear you. Like to say completely unprompted. Just yeah, just, <laughs> just brought it up. Was just like they were like talking about the team, and he was like, "I don't think I've I've seen a better job by GM in the last decade." I mean, you took a team, I, I who didn't have talent. You traded up, got less talent in the draft. You let JJ Watt walk for free. You still don't have any definitive, you know, plan with the Deshaun Watson stuff. I mean, it's it's just a terrible job. And some of the problems he inherited. And if you want to say he's not a terrible general manager, that's fine. I'm willing to see if that's true. But every move he's made so far has looked moronic to inept, depending on what scale you're using. So, to like, it's just wild to say that. Like I, I th- there's propaganda and then there's just unbelievable nonsense. So my stop the nonsense is the NFL just in general. Usually, usually it's, you know, they're fine. They don't, they don't do too many things wrong. Uh, and the product is always, you know, entertaining, but man, this, this new taunting rule, what are we doing, man? Have you guys seen this? Yeah, like yeah. you mean the taunting rule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they, this Colts, this Colts running back who is probably not even going to. Yes, make I did see that. Yeah, that that flag where he's just like, like he has a great run, like a fifteen to twenty yard run. Uh, he gets up after getting tackled. Uh, and he's kind of just jawing at at the at the defender uh, who had just tackled him. Uh, gets a fifth, I think, fifteen yard penalty. And then he gets fined on top of it. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, is this is this is this necessary? Like, is this what what fans of the NFL want to be cracked down on? Like, do we really care that much if if a player goes up to a defender and starts talking trash? No, we love it. It's fun. It's exciting. Sometimes it gets out of hand, sure. But some small stuff like this is just absolutely absurd for it to get not only flagged, but also fined uh, in an uber competitive sport like football, where adrenaline is at an all time high. Um, and like we watched in the Titans Bucks practices, like they're, they're, those guys were fighting out there. Uh, but like a little bit of taunting, like talking a little bit of trash, flexing in front of a defender, like it, it, who cares? Who cares? Just let them have a little bit of fun. Yeah, my, I I think me and Mike Vrabel share a very similar stance on taunting because I've heard him talk about this before. What I don't want to see and don't like is I catch a pass and have to grandstand over the defensive back and and you know talk like I I'm not a fan of that. Act like you've been there before. Go like Vrabel always says. Go celebrate with your teammates, right? But like it's gone too far, like. I thought, because the way the taunting rule previously existed was to not have those moments where a dude is being selfish or uh, pompous and and making it about himself and not the team. Like, I'm not a big fan of that. But, like, you know, I think Josh Norman should be able to shoot his bow and arrow. I think that you should be able to flex when you carry the entire defense for 10 yards, right? There's a difference between... 
taunting and belittling an opponent in a way that is not in a way that is unclassy and not resembling a good sportsman versus being fired up and excited that you just made a big play for your team. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The, the difference not, in what I don't and what I don't mind and what I do mind. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree, and I, I, I think you guys probably remember when the Panthers played the Titans, like I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe, and Cam Newton got into it with Avery Williamson See, I uh, after a touchdown. That. Yeah, but he took it too far because then he started like really dancing in his face, like for fifteen funny, seconds. I mean, the after. Titans sucked. Was, Who cares, right? You know, I know, but yeah, like, so here's, here's my opinion. Here, yeah, here's my opinion on that. If you taunt a player, uh, like if you're a quarterback and you taunt a defensive player, if they blow out your knee, don't expect any sympathy from me. If you get helmet to helmet in the Super Bowl and you get a concussion, you cry and you never can play the same again, don't complain to me. You can't call yourself Superman, and then if you get hit in the head, you can't cry to the officials. So that that's how I feel about that specific thing and i love watching cam newton but as soon as he started crying to the officials about not getting hit it's like yeah man you're six foot five you're 240 pounds you run like a gazelle and i saw you do things in college that i haven't seen running backs do like they're gonna give defenders a little bit of leeway because otherwise they'll glance off of you having said that i think taunting needs to be redefined because i think the nfl originally did it and this is my conspiracy theory uh originally did it because the players were becoming slowly becoming bigger than you know the the not than the league but if you let josh norman do his bow and arrow if you let jared allen do his like rodeo rope and a calf like sack celebration if you do those kinds of things those are images that you know these guys can monetize and get famous off of and all that kind of stuff and i don't think the nfl liked the idea of individuals being recognized apart from the team because i think they they have a real old school mentality but i think that's a lot different than if you go and you like throw a spike of football down right in front of somebody or you flex on them like i like depending on the situation like you can flex towards your teammates but like if you're you know, a fullback and you run over a 190 pound safety on a goal line drill, like, you know, don't, don't flex because I mean, you should always have won that battle. But if you've got a signature move that you do every time you score a touchdown, like Chris Johnson's touchdown dance, do it, like live it up. Like I'm all for that. Yeah. I am. I am against belittling the opponent. I, and anything that is unclassy like that, that's, you know, like, like Vrabel says, go celebrate with your team. But there is a line there, and I agree that the rule should be redefined, not stressed. John Mara is just totally, totally off on all that. Yeah, agreed. Well, that's going to uh, it's going to wrap it up for us. The uh, Titans and the Bears play Saturday, and when we come back to you next Wednesday, uh, the final fifty-three man roster will be known. Titans have to get to 53 by 3 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday, August 31st. So, wow. uh, yeah. Congratulations, now, Chris Jones, on your surprise inclusion. <laughs> <laughs> now, the weird thing is we're used to preseason game number four on a Thursday, and then yeah. cut day that Saturday, and then eight days later is opening Sunday. 
you know, seven days later is opening Thursday. But this year there's like a bye week, basically, because the Titans will play on Saturday and then won't play again until September the 12th, which is 15 days later. That's weird. Yeah, that that's our the first weekend in September is for everybody to go enjoy college football before they have <laughs> six meaningless games until they're relevant games again in November. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like it. I, I think it's uh, it's going to be a nice break because training camp is is such a grind for for everyone, for the players, for the reporters, and so it'll be nice to you know they'll still practice, but to have kind of a more relaxed week before. You know, the week leading up to that Arizona game, you know, it's kick, it, it's on, and it's on until, because the Titans are a good team, it'll be on until, you know, January, February. So, really exciting stuff, certainly. Yeah. Matthias, will you be attending any Titans games this year? That's a good question. I, You know, I've been thinking about it, and, and I would like to go back uh, at some point. So, hopefully I do make it out this season. Um, I don't know what the best home games are, but the schedule is pretty action packed, I think. So I want to find one, hopefully in the, in the winter months. It's hot down, hot down here. Yeah. All right. We will see you all next week to break down the Titans final 53 man roster and their final preseason game against Justin Field and the Bears. Until then for Willem and TSI Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.